umgoblue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And we're going to talk about Michigan falling short by a score of 51 to 45, losing to TCU in the college football playoff semifinal. Well, Clint, what did you think about this one? I mean, it was shocking. It was it was totally out of left field in kind of all three phases. Just uh, I I don't think I wouldn't say that Michigan looked flat as if they didn't you know weren't ready or didn't want to be there. You know they played with a lot of energy, but it was just sloppy. It was just sloppy, and there was a moment in the first or maybe early second quarter where I, I you know kind of told my family where I was watching. I said you know. It's crazy. Even on tackles where they go down, the balls keeps popping out, right? Like they're fumbling on every every time they get tackled and hit the ground, the ball's coming out. You know, it was uh, it was just ugly and a, and a bad feeling from from the start that they were not playing uh, as sharp or as crisply as as we have seen for almost the whole last you know two seasons. So that um was a bad feeling then obviously that the scoreboard was you know got lopsided quickly felt a lot like uh, the Georgia game last year um and then the second half especially the third quarter was you know kind of a, a point of pride where they showed a ton of guts and determination to claw back into it and to have a chance and uh I I really you know until really late in the fourth quarter I, I didn't expect they that they would be able to get back into striking distance where uh, they'd have a reasonable chance to win. And uh, they definitely did. They did that um, all the way up until the fourth quarter and won too many uh, big mistakes and uh, they couldn't dig out from underneath the rubble. So uh, it was, it was just strange. It was just strange, um, but not all bad. It was, uh, it was just nothing that I expected, which, uh, you know, goes to show what, you know, what do we know? (laughs) Well, Clint, I will tell you, this is the reason I don't bet money, because as sure that I was that Michigan was going to put the smack down on Ohio State, I was as sure in this game. And the frustrating thing is, for all the things that went wrong, for all the mistakes and pick sixes and all kinds of other shenanigans that happened, Michigan only lost by six points. And... Again, they lost the game. Okay. There's, you know, let's acknowledge that right out of the gate. But if there was a time machine and someone came back and told me that, you know, the, the litany of everything that would go wrong and that Michigan only lost by six, I'd be shocked. Okay. And, you know, there was some, there, there were some things that happened. Okay. Now, if this time traveler came back and told me that JJ threw two pick sixes, believe it or not, that wouldn't have surprised me. Okay. Um, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it was expected, but JJ has exhibited such confidence. And you and I have talked about this in previous podcasts. There are times where he is so confident in hitting such a small window that uh, he's tempted fate, okay? And we can go back and, and look through the game films, but 
Um, you know, and I think what happened is what you can get away with against lesser opponents, you can't get away with in, in a game on this stage, right? So, okay, so J.J. threw two pick sixes. If you had told me that Michigan was going to be um, first in goal, short yardage, and struggle in that situation, I wouldn't be surprised because we've talked about that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting because – for me, all these negative tumblers were coming up, right? So when JJ threw the first pick six, I was like, yep, that's he's been close to that a few times. And, you know, we can go back in the podcast and I've said, you know, I, I honestly believe that JJ thinks he can throw through defenders sometimes, right? Okay, so you had the pick six. That happened. Obviously not a good, not a good situation. But to have the short and goal now – what happened last year is you had Thunder and Lightning, right? You had Asan Haskins, who really was the power, and you had Blake, who was the Lightning, right? Mm-hmm. And what kind of exhibited itself last season as the schedule played out is that Haskins could power through and, and help the team be more successful in short yardage, short and goal situations, right? This year... Blake comes back, bulks up a little bit, um, and and has more of that power, right? Well, what happened entering this game? Blake went out prior to the Ohio State game. So what we had was Donovan and, again, you know, a talented running back, but not exactly the power that Blake was able to do. So, again, looking at the things that went wrong, I was like, oh, man, short and goal, that's – it's almost like, uh, you know, Michigan's first and goal, the, the opponent has us right where they want us, right? Um, mm-hmm. so, so, again, when you see that, now, with that said, the thing, so there's two things that happened that I wasn't surprised by, okay? The third thing was how our defense could not shut them down in that second half. And, um, you know, no disrespect to TCU, but I think out of everything that went wrong, that Michigan can control, and I'm going to preface that because um, we're going to talk about some of the things that irked me that Michigan couldn't control, right? But out of the things that Michigan could control, that the defense, um, you know, again, Michigan scored 39 points in that second half. The defense gave up 30. And, you know, again, when you're um, when you are outscored 21 to 6 in the first half, you know, that's that's how that works, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. The defense is, was a big surprise, but I, I wanted to finish the point on on the offense at halftime. Michigan's points per scoring opportunity, right, where we call a scoring opportunity a fresh set of downs, first down uh, inside the other team's 40, so at the 40 or closer. Michigan had four scoring opportunities in the first half, and – they they had one field goal to show for it. They had the uh, the initial drive where they turned it over on downs. They had the the lost fumble after the the call that I'm sure we'll talk about on the bomb to uh, to Wilson. And then they had one where they had just crossed the 40 and then had a couple negative plays and penalties that drove them back. They actually had to punt. So four scoring opportunities in the first half and one field goal to show for it. That is you know really. 
it's what's bitten Michigan in almost all of their losses in the last two years, for sure. And it hadn't been as big of a problem this year. We did see um, some, they weren't very, uh, they didn't dominate and, and punch touchdowns in when you and I talked about it, but at least they scored, right? And I think the staff has talked about how they, they kind of calculate a metric that they want drives that end in points. So they they don't, they're not as concerned when when a field goal is, is the final result. But to have four opportunities and only score once and to have it a field goal, their points per drive was actually less than one. It was, you know, 0.8 in the first half. For the whole game, right, they end up with 10 opportunities. So they ended up with six more scoring opportunities and scored on five of them in the second half, scored touchdowns. So of the 10, you know, they came kind of really pushing back and eventually kicked another field goal and scored five touchdowns that got them up to about 4.0 points per play. But uh, TCU, to your point, um, switching to the defense, TCU, their average was over seven, you know, or it was exactly seven because they scored every time they got inside uh, Michigan's 40 yard line. And that ended up being a huge difference, right? For every opportunity, um, TC had a three-point advantage, even though Michigan uh, had six more opportunities. It's it's just crazy that Michigan. It's crazy that Michigan was even in the game and had a chance to win with all of the all of the different and unique ways they found to to shoot themselves in the foot. Absolutely, and you know another thing about those pick sixes, you know, I would say. In my mind, the much maligned three-three-five, right? Not my favorite defense, but one of the things that it allows the five to do, right? The the defensive backs there is that they can take more risks because they have backups, right? And it was interesting that you know I I, I painfully broke down the tape again, and you know again you you got to give it to TCU. I think the biggest surprise I had is that. Um, their defense was better than I thought in the first half. I thought Michigan made some great adjustments, okay? And, you know, there's this, um, I'm going to say the drive-by media, right? Oh, my God, Michigan got thrashed. Oh, my God, everything that went wrong, and Michigan only lost by six points. And I will tell you, heading into that last couple-minute stretch, I firmly believed Michigan was going to win, right? And again, after everything had gone wrong, I think, you know, in, in final summation is you can't make that many mistakes and win a game. OK, um, you know, and again, we, we can talk about, you know, uh, you know, the, the national media will will rave about um, TCU's quarterback. And, you know, and it, it, it it's OK. It sounds crappy to say. JJ had two pick sixes and completely outplayed him, right? So I think sometimes the media um, mistakes a great story for a great talent. And again, I, I don't mean to diss the guy. The guy, you know, plays his heart out. I love the way he plays. But if I have to pick a quarterback, I'm picking JJ, you know, 11 out of 10 times. And again, it's unfortunate the way it, it worked out. Now, we talked about some of the things that Michigan can control. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to be breaking down 
this defensive film probably till next season. Um, and again, just, you know, painful to go back and watch it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see the, the uh, 11 on 11 film for the entire game. Going to be working to do that. But even just breaking down the broadcast, lots of lots of questions. Now, um, okay, so Michigan lost the game. They made too many mistakes, okay? I want that firmly in the record. And I am going to say, as we have talked about repeatedly, or I've talked about repeatedly, and I think you've agreed, you know, is that, you know, I, I'm really befuddled by um, – you know, okay, so here it is. We have Michigan playing their heart out. We have TCU playing their heart out. And you have 19 and 20-year-olds facing the media post-game. And, you know, really heartbreaking for the Michigan side and elation from TCU. So they will face the music and answer questions about their performance while the referees just skip out into the night, okay? And I want to be crystal clear that I am not blaming the referees for Michigan's loss, okay? Michigan made enough mistakes. But it is, for me, yet another example of how you have three main forces in the game. You have the two teams and you have the referees. Two, you know, the teams answer questions and discuss what happened. And there's no discussion of what the referees were thinking or what they were seeing. And I'll tell you, what I was thinking as time was running out on Michigan at the end of the game was, you know, the refs took two touchdowns off the board. Okay. No discussion on what they saw on their, on their video replays. Um, uh, again, even the, you know, the, the broadcast crew thought that, you know, Roman Wilson scored a touchdown. And again, what view were they watching that they were able to make that decision so quickly that it wasn't a touchdown. And then later, when you had the Ronnie Bell one, you know, they, they take a good amount of time, okay? So, again, when time was running out of Michigan in the game, I'm like, well, how much time did we lose because you took two touchdowns down off the board and, and Michigan had to go in and run some more plays and, you know, have, a, have not great results. So, you know, and again, Clint, you know, we've watched a lot of high school games together. We've watched a lot of, um, NCAA games and every couple games there are inexplicable calls and no explanation and when you're on the losing side and you mention it you sound like you're a whiner right that's all oh, you're whining and if you're on the winning side you just shut the hell up and say well it was a great call right which is exactly what mm -hmm. TCU's coach did on mm -hmm. that absolutely obvious by definition targeting call right now, I, I again, I, I, you're going to sound like I'm whining. Listen, just wait for the next time because there will be a next time. There will be a game. And listen, sometimes it's been in Michigan's favor. I can think of a couple calls over the last five, six years that have gone Michigan's way. But um, again, I don't know how long we can go like this where there's no like listen sometimes it may be hey i don't understand maybe i don't understand the rules okay and i think it would be great for if the you know and and again i'm i'm, gonna, I'm going off on a rant here as you can tell 
listen, I, I completely understand there's a human element and they make mistakes, right? But again, you have the grown men who have been doing their job for years, skating off into the night, not explaining what they saw or what they did. And you got, you know, JJ and Mike Sandra still and Donovan Edwards uh, up there facing the heat. And uh, same on the TCU side. And I, I just, I think it's fundamentally unfair and I, I, I don't like it. And, you know, I've, I've spoke about this before and, Again, it, it, it irks me to no end that, uh, you know, and, you know, we're t talking about that targeting call, right? Hey, listen, I understand they probably didn't want to kick that guy out of next game. Hey, that's not what the rule book says, okay? I am one of the biggest uh, critics of the targeting call, okay? You know, again, it's it seems to be very shaky when it's called. That was the very freaking definition of it, okay? And I just... You know, of course, TCU's coach says, well, I thought they made the right call. Yeah, of course you did, right? Of course you did. So I just, you know, again, adding an extra layer of frustration here on this game, and, and we'll just wait till the next time it happens because it'll yeah. happen again. Yeah. And and there was, there was a really, really awful roughing the passer call that benefited Michigan where there's – what are you even looking at? What there there was no, you know, there there was no way that it could have uh, appeared to be uh, either late or overly physical, right? So it was, it, it, what that the reason that that bothers me is that it, it gives the impression that the referee felt that he had to have a an impact on the game, right? And that, well, that guy, you know, uh, you know, our, our, the one guy made a bad call, so you know, we got to even it back out and, and help. Yeah. It, it makes more of a mess. It makes more of a mess when, when, when that feeling is creeping into anybody's head, you know, and whether that's how it's going or not, or if they're just, if it's subconscious that a referee feels that, uh, you know, you know, you know, Michigan got jobbed on that call, the next close one should go their way. You know, the, you can't keep that calibration tight, you know, to the line, right. It's going to wobble, wobble, wobble. And all of a sudden the wheels fall off. So, just just call it correctly right and then when you know you and i are, are old enough that we watched a, a lot of college football before replay ever existed right and, and nfl games as well and my the best part when they instituted replay for me was the if it's not conclusive Right. If there has to be inconclusive or there has to be absolute, you know, conclusive video evidence to overturn a call. It has to be clear as day on the video to overturn what the referee called. Right. And that was the best part. Like when in doubt, give it to the guy who made the call in real time, the guy that you're paying to be the official. So any replay that you need to pause and kind of squint your eyes and, and, and kind of lean into that's too close. It's too close to make a, a change, stick with what was called. They should be making these much, much quicker. It should be clear as day. Yep, I see it, right? You, sometimes you might need a second or a third angle, right? Uh, I'm glad that there are different TV angles for, for some of these calls to get made correctly and reversed. You know, I think replay still, in theory, is a good thing. But the, the, they're going to such finite detail on slow motion replays and, and – splitting hairs 
that if it takes that level of analysis, then stick with what the referee called on the field, right? That's why you pay those guys. And the delays and the timing and the flow of the game is also impacted by that. So just take a look, show me all three views. No, I'm sticking with what the guy said. I would, I would rather they say that over and over and over quickly, uh, even though it would, you know, there would be times it would get even more times that the human eye hurts our team, right? But if it was quicker and, you know, it had to be absolutely crystal clear, then I, I would I would love for that. And I think they did that well early in the life of uh, video replay. And now everything is, uh, you know, rehashing the Zapruder film from, from the JFK assassination. You know, and, and, you know, another point, right? So, and, and again, this is a point that has irked me before this game, right? These are supposed to be the best crews. Could you imagine what the bad crews do? Okay. And, and Clint, we don't need to imagine. Okay. Mm-hmm. When Michigan was struggling during the, you know, the end of the Brady Hoke era, the Rich Rodriguez era, it was very clear that we were getting the bottom of the barrel referees. Okay. And I remember, you know, being at the stadium and I'd say, well, this is what happens when the games don't matter. Right. Because mm-hmm. you would see things that was inexplicable. Like what view are you looking? So again, it, it to me, it's a larger issue. And I think that, um, you know, and we're, we're going to have some off season podcasts to focus on this, um, you know, exclusively. But again, if there's going to be something good that comes from um, the NIL money, the um, expanded sports betting, there's going to be more, there's going to need to be more transparency on the performance of the referees, how they're graded. Um, if this is the best you got, I'm not impressed. Okay. And again, I know that there's a human element in it, right? But the idea, Hey, have a guy come out and say, Hey, I saw this view. It was a, it was a, um, a, a, you know, a game time decision or, you know, it was a, it was a, I had to make a call and I made the call. I can live with that. I can't live with how inexplicable it is. Right. Like you have to believe that, um, you know, the broadcast team has way more angles. What are they looking at? Right. And I, again, just, Hey, show me the view you looked at. Hey, I thought Mm -hmm. it said this. I can live with mistakes. I can't live with the lack of accountability. And Mm -hmm. again, it's, it's been a long-term you know, uh, that somehow the, the referees are, are deified, right? Like, well, we can't say anything. Well, you know what? When you have all these camera angles, like you said, either use them or don't. But when you have all these angles, you know, another thing that bugs me is that, so here, this is a really important game, right? Um, one of the three most important college football games of this season, okay, College football playoffs, you know, the the two semis and then the finals. You should have every camera angle you need. You should have a camera right down, looking down on the on the goal line, right? And it's funny because you mentioned, you know, there was a play that went against TCU. I think TC, TCU got jobbed in the game they lost, okay? There was a play in the overtime where the refs were so worried about, you know, where the fumble went that I think they missed the guy scored a touchdown and they should have won. Right. And there's no discussion of it. It's just, Oh, well that's, you know, the broadcast crew mentioned it and, and, you know, just moving on because 
it's not, you know, we're all part of the machine here, right? We all need to just mm. say everything is, is bright and smiley. And uh, again, it just when you have so much riding on the game, if it is not painfully clear, then like you said, go with the human element. And mm. I just, you know, it, it, it's it, like, you know, you mentioned that it looked like the referee, want, you know, gave him a makeup call. Hey, you know, get the call right. Don't do mm. makeup calls. You know, th- this isn't hockey. You know, come on. You're, it's not your job to keep the game close. And, you know, I, I will mention that the bulk of the money on this game was on Michigan. Okay. And you sit there and watch some of these calls and, you know, I, I'm not saying it's fixed, but boy, boy, interesting. Interesting. Right. I, uh, I, again, it's just, there's going to need to be more transparency. Um, you know, listen, it, it is very, it, it's widely known that when Lloyd Carr was the coach at Michigan, he complained to the big 10 because they had a, a referee who, who was, impair had impaired sight who was a referee come on right listen i feel bad for the guy but you can't you can't have that right so you just wonder if this is the best you got what are the lower tier what's happening at the lower tier games and like i said i i i have an idea because we saw it for a while so again michigan lost the game i want to be very clear on that they lost the game because they made too many mistakes but uh, there are a couple of things that we did see here that I think um, are, are going to need to be fixed as we move toward this larger playoff. And um, I think that, you know, again, everybody can get better, right? Um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, we got JJ who was super upset in the post game. All credit to them. They won the game in the 60 minutes that was played. And, uh, you know, they're a good football team, no matter what it is, uh, they, they got the win and uh, fought our hearts out. There's a lot of things that uh, we could have done better. Can't wait to watch the tape, but we'll be back, and I promise that. Coach Harbaugh being grilled about that, you know, trickeration play that they tried. Because we thought it would work, you know, and I take full responsibility for it not working and, and should have, uh, should have, you know, should have had, um, should have had something different called, you know. Um, that wouldn't, uh, you know, put that one, put that one on me. Uh, but they had it, uh, they had it wired, and um, and they uh, had it well defended, and uh, you, know, you know, sitting here now, yeah, definitely would have liked to wish I would have called a different one. You know, he's up there answering questions. So you're telling me that the refs can huddle and. You know, here, we want to know what you were seeing on these five plays. Shoot, Clint, I could deal with it even if it was a week from now. Okay, even if they don't want to do it after the game. But this idea that, you know, in in the Big Ten, you know, that the coaches need to go to the Big Ten's office and, and, you know, send in a request. And, you know, because I really trust the Big Ten office, right, which I don't, you know. But, again, this idea that it's all, you know, the appearance of impropriety is a problem. Okay, mm. it needs to be transparent, and um, you know we need to know how many times refs are are graded down for missing a call. We need to know how many times ref get the gets the rules wrong. Listen, I get the rules wrong. Okay, if if it comes out like they're they're really big to say, man, 
You would not believe how many times video replay reaffirms that the refs got it right. Well, then explain it. Explain the rule, okay? It's, I think it would only help the game overall because, again, the casual fan don't, know, don't always know all the rules. And, again, with the way the rules change, switching between NFL and NCAA and high school, sometimes I get the rules confused. So, again, there's, you know, a rant about that and, and you know. Um, so, Clint, when you're, when you're looking at this game, um, I think one of the bright spots is you did have Moody hit that massive 59-yard field goal. And, you know, that was a, a bright spot in the darkness that kind of kept the embers alive for Michigan. Um what other things did you see that that uh, you were happy with, or or um, you were encouraged by? Well, the I agree. I thought it was a fitting kind of end for Moody in his career. You know, again, I've, I'm on the record saying that I think Jake Moody is the, the greatest kicker in Michigan's history. So I'm, I'm glad that he got to kind of make his mark on this game. It was he was huge for the team uh, when things were darkest right before halftime. And uh, to go from 21 to three to 21 to six, um, right before you know, on the last snap of the first half is is not nothing, right? And, and to do a you know to do it on a 59 yarder that breaks the Michigan record for longest ever, and uh, sets the record for the Fiesta Bowl as well for the longest field goal ever, you know, well deserved to to find another way to write Jake Moody's name in the history book. So all of that was was certainly a positive. I thought um, Michigan, when they decided to start using JJ in the running attack, uh, it, it was it was good. I think it helped um, kind of fuel the the comeback in the third and the fourth quarters. Um, the downside to that is that, that, in my opinion, they waited too long to to do that. I understand you don't want to run your quarterback. I think early. Um, with the with the fear that you know he gets hurt in the first or second quarter and now your you know your whole game plan is, is shot um that would be obviously pretty bad but once you were down you know two or three scores you know in, in the second quarter uh i i think that they should have kind of tweaked the the running attack to to try to create uh, wider lanes and and the opportunity for explosive plays that we've seen when JJ McCarthy is a running threat um, and he has to be accounted for the other team is more likely to make mistakes and we saw it in the in the third quarter where JJ McCarthy you know actually ran his his touchdown in from uh, from about 20 25 yards out so I think that was a positive uh, it reinforces what we've been saying about what he brings to the run game. Uh, it, it, it just comes with a little bit of a sour uh, aftertaste because I think they waited too long to, uh, to go to that. Um, I thought the, the deep ball um, accuracy from J.J. McCarthy was good. You know, he hit Ronnie Bell on a touchdown over the middle. He hit Roman Wilson on what you know, probably should have been a touchdown deep over the middle. So the, the offensive game plan was not bad, right? They, they scored 45 points without the aid of any defensive or, or special teams touchdowns, right? So if you would have told me that they're going to score 45 points, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, it sounds like they're going to win, right? So I, I just don't think that offense was the problem, um, despite the problems that we saw uh, in the red zone 
and really the mistakes that are on J.J. McCarthy specifically are the two pick sixes, right? I don't know that those are uh, game plan or, or offensive coaching staff calls or problems. Um, the uh, On the defensive side, created three turnovers, right? That's another uh, a big, that's the most that we saw this year for, for this team. That was great. Um, those led to some of those uh, shot plays, you know, on those sudden changes. Uh, Michigan was able to take some of those uh, those deep shots down the field right after those turnovers. So that was great. And um, there were some questions about whether Jesse Minter really changed what he wanted to do on his game plan in, in this game. And I'm not, I don't know, I'll, I'll look a little closer when I get to rewatch the film um, to see if... Uh, if he was more aggressive, it certainly bit Michigan more in this game than we had seen it before, right? When he was aggressive and bringing pressure, um, we saw Michigan miss tackles and, and they went the whole way. So I'm not sure if there was a huge significant difference in how Jesse Minter called his pressures, especially on third downs. But TCU, again, you got to tip your cap to, to the team that won the game. Um, they made the plays and were able to um, break a tackle and then take it the whole way. It's, uh, you know, kind of the reverse of, of what we were able to do against Ohio State when, when they were aggressive. So um, I think that there was, a, there was a lot of positives, like I said, for the mountain of negatives from all directions in all three phases of this game. The fact that Michigan had the ball with a chance to win is, is a huge testament to what, how much they must have been doing right and also their their mental toughness and and their ability to kind of uh, fight back through that all of that adversity because it was an avalanche of it was an avalanche of trash that they had to fight through and they did and gave themselves a chance to win um, and when you come up uh, six points short um, when you you handed the other team thirteen points on interceptions and uh, you know fumbled the ball away on inside the five yard line. Um, you know, to, to be that close is, you know, th they should have won this game by multiple scores if, if they could have played as clean as their second worst game. Whatever their second sloppiest game was, maybe Illinois, I would think. Um, if they had played to that level, they probably, you know, would beat this TCU team or, you know, would have won that game with that level of uh, execution. But the, the sloppiness and, and, in that Fiesta Bowl was just on a whole other level. Yeah, and I think, I think this one definitely stings for me, but I think this is going to sting for the team because, like you said, okay, one pick six is bad luck. Another pick six? Okay, I mean, you had one pick six that, you know, here on one hand it looked like Michigan was following their typical game plan Big first possession going down to score, didn't score, right? And, you know, TCU spins it and gets a 41-yard, you know, pick six. And then Michigan's coming back and, and you know, you kind of hope that they kind of got that out of their system. And then, you know, in the third quarter, TCU manages a 29-yard a pick six. So it's like, you know, if you're – okay, for example, and I, you know, not to always come back to betting, but can you imagine what the odds were for TCU to have two pick sixes? Okay, um, you know, you could have won quite a, 
quite a pretty penny if you'd been able to bet on that before the game. But the point of it is that you can't game plan for that, right? You can't say, well, we're going to get our two pick sixes that we normally get. Unless so, you're Iowa. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that's when that's your main offensive weapon, right? Um, but, you know, that's what's frustrating is, you know, I feel like you do. I expected Michigan to score about, you know, 45 points in this game. Doesn't surprise me a bit. What shocks me is, well, TCU scored 51. Yeah, but two of those touchdowns were, right? Um, and, again, it, it's it smarts because, you know, there are games that you lose and there are games that you run out of time before you can win. And I definitely felt that this was a game where, you know, Michigan got knocked on their butt in the first half and they came out firing. The disappointing thing was, again, you know, you look at that and TCU scored 30 second, 30 second half points. Michigan scored 39. But again, you're down because of that, you know, those uh, not being able to execute well in the first half. So, you know, I, again, it, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. You know, the critics will say that Michigan lost in the semis again. And this is a completely different game than what happened versus Georgia last year. And it doesn't mean it's going to sting any less. And, you know, you look at this and, you know, J.J. was our greatest strength. And J.J. had, you know, arguably his worst game because of those pick sixes. So it's, um, it, it, to me, it's going to be really interesting, you know, um, how J.J. deals with this over the next nine months. Because nine months is a long time to stew on on those facts. And, um, you know, after the game, he said everything right. And said he's going to be back. And, you know, and, and I like J.J. a lot. Okay. I, you know, when I say J.J. thinks he can throw the ball through anybody, you know, I, I think you need that as a quarterback. Right. You need to have that confidence. You need to have that overwhelming belief in your skill. Right. And, you know, J.J. certainly wasn't hanging his head in this game. He was, he came back guns a-blazing, leading the team back in that second half. But, again, two pick sixes, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, between um, J.J. and the pick sixes and um, Kalel Mullins, you know, on that fumble. And, again, he shouldn't be in that position. And, and I think that when I talk about all the, you know, all the um, – the, the tumblers coming together, right? It's like, oh, I think this is the game. You know, you know, I don't think this is the game we miss Blake the most because of his running style. And, you know, you can wonder what happened to CJ Stokes. Where was he? You know, he's on a milk carton somewhere. He's on, he's on a milk carton, uh, you know, on one side and Andrew Anthony's on the other, you know, as far as players who I think I had high expectations for, but again, it's not Kalel's fault. You know, he's the guy who's up because Blake's down. And I, I think, you know, I was watching this game and I'm like, oh, man, this is the game. Um, you know, there were pictures of Blake on crutches before the game. And, you know, it's like, oh, I, I you know, as the game progressed, I, I think he was um, the biggest difference by his absence. Yeah, I, I would say this also. We're, we're obviously specifically to the to the Michigan point of view here, but taking a step back to have two semifinal games that were really, really 
hyper competitive and and you know very entertaining on, on New Year's Eve was was a really great um you know was kind of a great day for the sport you know nationally the feedback um th- there hasn't been a lot of negative Michigan spin um it's been much more positive TCU and 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 uh, more appreciative that uh, both games were fun to watch, but the fact that both games were close, with with Ohio State being up, you know, 14 points in the fourth quarter on Georgia and letting it slip away, um, it's clear that Michigan is on the level that they could have won a national championship this year, and and that is, you know, to your point, that's what makes this sting much worse. But you know, I would say that that's the final positive for me is that it's clear. The, the the foundation is built for a, a championship program. It's been proven in terms of the Big Ten championship. It's been proven that the, the program is built in a way that can beat Ohio State at home and on the road. And it's clear that they are in, um, you know, right in the mix to to win a national championship, even as good as, as Georgia has been this year. And, and, and with the rest of the, the SEC, I mean, Alabama looked really great in their bowl game, but uh, you know, but that team lost twice in the SEC. So um, they they have some questions, <laughs> the same way that Michigan did this year. So um, I, I would say, as the calendar turns into 2023, there there's a lot more positive foundational pieces to to build on moving forward, and. The, the players that we're talking about in this in this conversation, many of those guys are, are coming back and are going to be the leaders on that team next year. So um, we liked a lot of the uh, language and, and what we heard from the players and the coaches last year after the loss to Georgia. Um, they reiterated that they, they weren't just happy to be there. They wanted to be able to win. They played in this game and, and had a chance to win and should have uh, been able to win this game but they didn't get it done. So let's, let's hope and, 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 and see if, uh, if Michigan can kind of take these mistakes and immediately get to work on trying to correct these things as well. And, and, and just take that next step forward and, and win in the semifinals and give your give yourself a chance to play for a national title and, and, and hopefully, you know, execute crisply two times at the end of the year here and, 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 there's no reason that this team can't compete right back at the same level next year. So while the game was going on, I was able to step back and, and I said a couple times, man, what a great game, right? Now, I I hope that it was a great game. We were going to come back and win. But, you know, there's a uh, – I, I tweeted out during the game, there's a gif of Russell Crowe from Gladiator saying, are you not entertained, Right. And whenever it's a game like this, I, I, you know, I tweet it out to our followers because, again, this is why you watch, right? Now, of course, you want Michigan to win, but from a football perspective, you know, and, and stepping back even a little bit further, okay, what does this say about the Big Ten that you could say, you could make a, a strong case that, you know, two plays difference, okay, Ohio State somehow makes that field goal, snicker, snicker, right? And Michigan has one less pick six, and it's a Big Ten national championship, right? So, again, it is a, 
Um, you know, I think it says a lot for the strength of the conference. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Michigan's going to have to um, bounce back from this, right? Because this one's going to leave a bruise, okay? And, you know, on one hand, they say, you know, um, the worst thing that can happen is that you just miss your goal, right? I mean, last year, you know, that game was over by halftime. I was there, right? It was, it was Michigan was not going to get by Georgia on that day. And, you know, Michigan definitely struggled, you know, down at halftime. But whereas last year, you know, they didn't get any closer, this year, that second half, they looked like a team that was that was going to win a national championship if they had a little yeah, bit more time. Three. Yeah. They'd call it all the way back to within three. Yeah. So, again, you look at that and you say, okay, you're getting closer, right? Um, but, again, I, I, I really wonder – you know, uh, you know. Hopefully, they will use it as fuel to uh, to get even better. And you know, as as Coach Harbaugh said, yeah, really, really proud of them. Really proud of the fight. Uh, they've been a locker room of heroes the entire season. Um, and and as I stand in there for, in front of them, that's that's uh, that's who they are. That's it's what they are. Um, I was uh, super proud of them. And, uh, and that's why you don't. You never give up. You never give in. You never let up. Um, you, know, you, you just keep playing. Keep playing the game one play at a time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of analogies to life with that. Uh, but you know, they're they're real. And um, you know, as our, our team continues to do that. Done it all year, and uh, you know, did it did it right up until uh, to the end. And Great season that ends one week early. You know, one one less big play, one more big play by us. Um, you know, one more opportunistic play uh, by us. One less opportunistic play by them, and it'll be it'll be a, it'd be a different situation. But um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a it was a great football game. And uh, congratulations to TCU. How do you sustain that effort in the off season and come back? It sucks that we lost again. You know, our whole season preparation has been to win a national championship. And uh, this is the second year that, you know, we lost in the 14th game of the season. So, uh, you know, we're just like, we'll be back. Same thing as we said last year. Um, and, you know, we'll be here to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you, you got to be able to look forward through the offseason. And uh, certainly this uh, this team has given us a lot of, of great moments this year in 22 and ended on a, a sour note, of course, here that uh, should be able to fuel enough uh, entertainment value through the off season as, uh, as we try to figure out whether they can take that next step forward. So um, it's, uh, it, it was fun. I, I wish that there was one more game to, uh, to break down for sure, but uh, I, I, I won't do the best that I can to appreciate what this season was um, because I know that it doesn't come around all that often. Agreed. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes.
Go Blue.